0: The Seattle Seahawks missed the playoffs, so we're going to examine how we got here, what big decisions are coming this offseason, and why Seahawks fans should have some hope for the future today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: You are locked on NFL scouting with The Draft Dude, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On
0: Podcast Network, your team every day those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job
1: for free. Terms and conditions apply. Joe, uh Seattle debrief. Uh this offseason became a little bit more interesting. I'm glad we didn't get around to this uh what around this time last week cuz Wednesday was the day where everything hit the fan in the NFL with and I guess also in the coaching ranks with Nick Saban, but uh Pete Carroll, uh this longtime head coach no longer. Uh that's the biggest uh headline for Seattle coming into the offseason. Uh we have to talk about how a 9 and 8 season got off the rails. Uh, just narrowly missing the playoffs because of tiebreakers, uh, second consecutive nine and eight season for Seattle. Uh so we we got a lot to dig into here as it pertains to Seahawks.
0: A little different dynamic this time around. Like you mentioned, nine and eight. They were in it till the end, right? They just didn't make it due to tiebreakers, and of course the two head-to-head losses to the Rams wound up being very, very costly when sorting out the final playoff order. But you mentioned just kind of uh a season that had a big time lull, right? They started five and two. You're like, all right, Seattle's kind of doing what we expect them to do. They won three of their last four, but it's the middle stretch, right? That one in five stretch in the middle of the season that was the killer, and it was a daunting stretch of games. Uh, they had the Commanders, that was the one they won, but then of course the Ravens, Rams, twice against the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys, right? That's a that's a really really difficult six game stretch that they came out of one in five. And and that that's what sunk them, right? They needed, they needed one more, right? That's what they had to find there, and they couldn't get it. And so when you think about the reasons why they weren't able to stack some more wins when they absolutely needed to, I go right to this rushing offense. This is a team that had two recent second-round picks in Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet and a young offensive line. I know they had some injuries there, particularly on the right side. But this rushing offense didn't do what it was supposed to do
1: this season. Um, and can I that, can I interject there? Sure, because you I think all that's factual, but then you also used a first round pick on a third wide receiver. Understood.
0: And so it, it, it's getting to my point here is I think you kind of have an identity crisis with yeah. okay. with what what you're. So yeah. So you wind up being. Okay, yeah, 31st in rushing attempts this season, 28th in rushing offense, right? Like you, you, you want it to become this pass aggressive team. I get it. You got your third receiver and, and you love, you like get excited about the 11 personnel possibilities. But for as much as the passing game is so sexy, and I get it, you got to be able to run the ball, right? It's, a, it's a, still a huge part of the NFL in Seattle lost that piece of what I think was important for them to be able to be the passing offense that they wanted to become. Yeah, they
1: funnel so much of their passing offense through those three wide receivers. Noah Fant was the third target on the team. He had 43 targets on the season versus 93, 119, and 122. So you're getting the ball to the right guys as far as where the investment lies. But when that kind of volume exists for those guys in the passing game versus what they've kind of been at their core, uh, which has always been a run the run the ball, be physical up front, and then you consider too, you know, they, they got the pass protecting offensive tackles in the 2022 NFL draft class. So Two all years ago, run yeah. together, yeah. But um, the interior of that group was still a lot of Maulers too. So I think even on the offensive line, Lucas and Cross, and I, I understand they had some injuries up front that impacted the continuity of that group, but it just. I think it's a really good embodiment of you feel like there's a pull that they want to go a certain kind of way, but they still have the bones and the infrastructure of what they used to be before that get all the way in one side of the boat or the other really is. I think what would have benefited, what will continue to benefit Seattle as they take these two nine and eight seasons. And they made the wild card last year and lost in the first round and just missed this year. And as you try to get over the hump there, I think that's a really uh, important piece offensively for Seattle. I mean, defensively, we we got to stop bending so much. Oh, you talk about bend, don't break, right? They end up 25th in league in scoring defense, 402 points allowed. But they were 30th in yards. Teams put up over 6,300 yards against the Seahawks last this year. Oh, so you got young pass rushers. You got some promising corners, and I know the secondary didn't necessarily deliver on what the expectations were outside of Julian Love, uh, who had an impressive season. But uh, Reek Woolen regressed a little bit versus what his rookie season was, and not just from an interception standpoint. Uh, Witherspoon, you'd like to think uh, getting him more and more involved as he gets more experience will, will help them as well. Um, I just. I want to see the defense grow a little bit more of a spine and that's tough when you play San Francisco twice and you play the Rams twice. But that second Rams game, I believe was 17-16 and the Rams kicked the field goal in the final minute and a half of the game to win the game.
0: Well, they that that is a good point to call out these head-to-head matchups against the Rams, the 49ers. Look at the other teams in the NFC that look really good, uh the Detroit Lions. The, Seattle's defense can't stop the run, right? That's, that's a massive, massive concern for them right. from week eight on. They're giving up on average 166 rushing yards per game. Seven of their last opponents go north of 150. I mean, you're, you and you think about the backbreaking loss for this team, it's Pittsburgh, the home yeah. game against Pittsburgh, where they gave up 30 points and 202 rushing yards to Pittsburgh. Like, when teams wanted to just run it down your throat, they just did it all season long. And so, for yeah, I think the defense bended way too much, but that that same deal for me, like running the ball, stopping the run was not a, they weren't sound enough in that capacity. Um, and I think that it has to be corrected if they're going to be a serious team in the NFC moving forward based on who we already got into in the Rams and the Niners and the Lions.
1: Well, we, are, we say all this and we've acknowledged the Rams, right? They got swept by the Rams. Uh, they let the second Rams game get away from them. They had the lead in the final two minutes. Uh they also had two other games that got away from them. Uh the Dallas game got away from them. I think that was a game they very easily could have won. And then the uh the Bengals game in week six coming out of the bye, where you nearly doubled up Cincinnati in yardage. Cincinnati wins this game 17-13 and Cincinnati has two hundred and fourteen yards offense and rushes the ball for 46 yards. But you're out penalize them. You win time of possession, but you you put 13 points on the board in spite of having 384 yards of offense. So there were a couple of hiccup games throughout the course of this season. You outrush them two to one, you outgain them almost two to one, but you turn the ball over twice, you're penalized for nearly twice the amount of yardage as they were. So in spite of winning the time of possession battle by 10 minutes, you lose that football game. There's three of those, the second Rams game, the Bengals game, and the Cowboys game, and they all kind of had their own unique scripts. And I think that that's a tough pill to swallow for Seattle fans who, who do think about this season. And on any given week, you could think Seattle could show up and give you a really difficult game or beat you, and in spite of what that middle of the season stretch was where they played the really good teams and, and didn't win them. Um, just a little too inconsistent and it ends up biting them, and Geno Smith was, was a big part of that with uh, two interceptions and four sacks taken and uh pass rating under 70 in that game against Cincinnati is just one example. Yeah, those late,
0: those late red zone possessions really stand out from that Cincinnati game. All right, the Seahawks need a head coach. They got a bunch of stuff to figure out this offseason. We're going to break that all down for you here in just a moment, so be sure to stick with us. But when you're hiring for your small business, you want to be certain that you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring's easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that Small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Well, thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. And they even just launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
1: All right. So now the decisions the Seahawks face, and it starts with a biggie the head coaching position, a lot of smoke to Dan Quinn, Joe.
0: I, yeah, I get it. There's a nostalgic element there, but like, and and I hate to be a victim of the moment, but man, is it, it's, it's kind of tough to see Dallas in some of the moments that they had down the stretch. And, you know, Dan Quinn doesn't like to, be plus 1 in the box and he's willing to play these lean players. I mean, in a lot of ways structurally Seattle's defense is equipped for Dan Quinn. Right. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want that. I want a team that's more stout with with how they are able to play at the line of scrimmage and are able to be more of a downhill type team. Like I just feel like I feel like that's not that's not the the direction I would be overly joy to go in but obviously as we start this conversation in the head coaching
1: search and what they need to do that seems to be a very hot name. So if you're looking for the the bright side there's the fact that uh as you said there's plenty of overlap with how the defensive roster is constructed and how it would work with with Dan Quinn when you think about kind of the versatility of the safeties you think about the the big long corners yeah. you think about the rotational group up front you think about giving up a lot of yards on the ground. <laughs> like all of those things exist yeah. already in Seattle. Uh, I, I think the one the one nice thing about Dan Quinn um, is he's a former head coach, so he's experienced with the role. He's got really good connections. He's mm-hmm. worked with the Shanahan tree, so you'd like to think there's going to be an opportunity there if they want to tap into that red-hot style of offense that they can. Um but it will probably result in some transitional stuff up front uh, or some transitional stuff on the offensive side of the football.
0: Do you have uh direction in, in I guess teaser, we have some very unique content coming your way next week, but is there a, um, is there a direction that you like here? Is there a I'm name? Not, I'm not tipping my hand. Oh, all no. right. All right. Well, another tease there. Another tease there. So touche, touche Kyle Krabs.
1: Um, but as far as the rest of where Seattle has to go, once they make a decision, I think that will help them dictate some of their personnel decisions uh, because they have some looming decisions to make as far as player retention and bringing players back as well.
0: Take us on the journey, man. This is, there's a lot to get into here with their cap position, tons of expiring
1: contracts. Well, yeah, I'll, st- I'll start with expiring contracts. Please do. Uh, and this is in order of snaps that were taken by the player this year. Percentage of snaps. Uh, Bobby Wagner, 34-year-old, all former all-pro, inside linebacker. Did the one-year stint in L.A., went back to Seattle. Expiring contract, uh, 98% of snaps. Evan Brown, starting center, 91% of snaps, 28 years old. Powerful player. Expiring contract, 91% of snaps. Damian Lewis, the starting left guard, 80, between 88 and 89% of snaps this season offensively. 27 years old, another powerful player. Leonard Williams, they acquired at the trade deadline. That one hurts when you think about how this season ended and, and the move that was made and how aggressive they were. 76% of the snaps played this season. Uh, 30 years old, expiring contract. Jordan Brooks, the other starting linebacker, 67% of snaps, expiring contract. Noah Fenton, Colby Parkinson, the two tight ends. Uh, You add them up combined, they had 55 and 47% of snaps taken. They're 27 and 25 years old, respectively. Expiring contracts. Phil Hayes took 42% of snaps this season. Left guard, another expiring contract. Uh, Michael Jackson is a restricted free agent, so they'll be able to bring him back if they want to. Same goes for Daryl Taylor. Uh, Mario Edwards expiring contract. Now you're kind of into like utility offensive lineman, Jake Curhan, 26 years old. I'd expect he has a market because he has positional flexibility. Drew Lockett quarterback who got a little bit of run this year when Geno Smith got hurt. Uh, and that's, that's most of the big names, unless you wanted to invoke like uh, Jason Peters, but no. he's 42 years old and didn't get a lot of run this year. Those, those, those are your expiring contracts
0: not a not a small list. I think you can maybe ask yourself some questions about how many of these guys you really want to bring back and commit cap dollars to. But at the bottom at the end of the day, like you went through it. There's a lot of snaps here. Guys that have filled big roles for you that are not under contract and they either need a new contract or you need a new direction at that position. To me, the hot name, like, I don't know, your entire interior offensive line is is up. Uh, it's Leonard Williams, right? Like, he's still a high-impact defensive lineman that you just gave meaningful draft capital to acquire. Surely you didn't do that for whatever half season you were able to get out of him. And you wonder, uh, with Pete no longer being the coach, right, there's kind of like the USC component. It felt like Leonard Williams was really excited to go there. What does that look like for him? uh without Pete Carroll as the head coach, I don't know, but that would be the one that if there's if there's a player that I'm prioritizing here, to me it's it's Leonard Williams. And I I would want some of those players back, but I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of bullets I'm gonna be sweating here on the caliber of player and potentially the cost to retain them.
1: Right. Um, then you get to their cap space. They're they're scheduled to be in the red about five million. Uh yeah. but they can pull some leverage here and, and get clear of that I think the challenging thing is they already have a number of guys that have like significant prorated bonus yeah. dollars. Yep. You think about Tyler Lockett. He's already got 50%, almost 50% of his cap hit next year is already money. That's already been paid out. That's been deferred from previous seasons. Yeah. Think about DK Metcalf. He is almost 50% split between his salary next year and the prorated money that he's already been paid out. That's been kicked out from previous seasons. Quandre Diggs. Is in eight figures of prorated dollars as well. He actually has a 50-50 split of salary versus money already paid. So if you continue to restructure those guys and kick this out even further, it it really puts you in an ugly spot for 2025 and beyond, where I'd just be I'd be a little bit leery. And that says nothing to, to mention with the Jamal Williams or Jamal Adams contract, which I would cut post-June first and clear $60 million in space, he's got $26 million cap hit. I'd take the the $10 million dead money, and I'd clear up the $60 million. But even that, you can't touch that money until after June 1st. So like, it doesn't necessarily help you on the front end of trying to, if you're going to add in free agency. I know
0: you've went down this trip before with teams, and maybe you have already with Seattle. But when you look at their north of $10 million Per year cap hits or $10 million dollar cap hits for twenty twenty four. Kyle, I don't love the list of players. Geno Smith thirty one million dollar cap hit. Tyler Lockett twenty seven point eight million dollars. Jamal Adams twenty five point nine or twenty six point nine million dollars. DK Metcalf like this one twenty four and a half mil. Quandre Diggs twenty point one point two. I like Quandre Draymond. Diggs,
1: he's a good player, but he's thirty one years old. Yeah, it's a, a big number.
0: Draymond Jones eighteen and Will Disley ten. Those are your north of ten million dollar a year cap hit players in 2024 and like a lot of that's not not stuff I'd want to like not very digestible to me if I'm looking at my biggest cap commitments and the
1: players that are getting them so what's I mean, what, what's your number one maneuver to help recalibrate the salary cap if it's not cutting Jamal Adams position first I think you you're not gonna have a trade market for him. something's got
0: to happen with this at a 10 million dollar cap hit too I like Disley as a blocking tight end, but and he gives you some juice as a pass catcher. But the, the challenge is you're only, you're only tight end under contract next year. Like you, you went, I know the the tool on over the cap, right? If they do the simple restructures, their max cap space gets to please hold uh, $31 dollars million, million in cap uh, in so cap it's, space.
1: It's, it's not even really that. Significant of a jump, right? Like, yeah, dude. The- it It gives you enough to get if you want to bring back Noah Fant, Jordan Brooks, and Damian Lewis and Evan Brown. Like, you can get those guys back, but like, what else are you gonna do with that dollar amount? It, it feels like you're you're in a position where you're gonna be running back the same core and same nucleus of the team that just went nine and eight the last two seasons, and your ability to to add on that is kind of limited. So I would. New coach, I'd probably be pretty receptive to doing something a little bit more drastic this season for Seattle and having a foundational year.
0: Totally agree. All right, we're going to talk about uh, why Seahawks fans should be optimistic, so stick with us. But the NFL playoffs are here, and there's still plenty of time to get in on the action over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you simply place a $5 bet, that's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is awesome, easy to navigate, and so many different ways you can bet, like a live same-game parlay. That's really fun. You're watching a game, and you start to feel like you're getting a feel for the flow. Put down a live same-game parlay. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can also make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the most popular parlays and more. So Visit FanDuel.com and make your first bet a layup FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we talk about being prepared for real life for just a moment? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, and that's pretty scary. Can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if one of my loved ones got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life saving medication that they needed. Well, thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. They offer the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and more. And look, this stuff can happen to any of us, so be sure to visit jacemedical.com, then complete your physician encounter. That will then be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code
1: LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Before we do the poem, can I ask can I ask you one thing? Yes. So we've kind of talked through a little bit of a identity pull for Seattle offensively. We talked about how we need to recalibrate your your salary cap to some degree. Would you entertain trading Tyler Lockett?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would.
1: I think that's, as, as I'm sitting here and I'm digesting our conversation and I'm reflecting on their, their salary cap and their positioning and, and the players that they have, with Jackson smith Jigba now coming into his second season, I think about a $26.895 million cap hit for Tyler Lockett in each of the next two seasons. Yes, he's 32 years old, but he has two years of control for $30 million in total cash owed to him plus some incentives. A team looking to acquire a good NFL wide receiver—it's a pretty digestible number. That's fifty percent of the top of the market.
0: Yeah, I think you look at the Brandon Cooks trade last year with Houston and Dallas as maybe a blueprint. It was a it was a five and a six uh, for Brandon Cooks, and I think something like that. I know that's maybe not going to make yeah. Seahawks fans super it's, excited.
1: It's I know it's blasphemy because of who Lock has been for Seattle. Yeah, too. yeah, he's been an awesome player for them, but. These are the kind of hard decisions I think Seattle's probably got to sit down and and have an honest conversation about.
0: Fight on, my men. I am hurt, but I am not slain. I'll lay me down and bleed a while, and then I'll rise and fight again. We're going to talk about our reasons for optimism for the Seattle Seahawks moving forward. And I'll start with a weird one um, because Pete Carroll was tremendous for them for so long. You look at that stretch from 2012 to 2020, those were the years, man. Those those were the years. If you're a Seattle fan, get to the Super Bowl, you're, you know, double-digit wins every season, you're winning the division all the time. But then the last 3 years have happened. 7 and 10, 9 and 8, 9 and 8. And I think a lot about the last few years of Seattle Seahawks football and there was this effort to it was like Brian Schottenheimer, we got to get back to who we were, right? Running the ball. And then we already kind of talked about it. You you hire Shane Waldron, 11 personnel, you're going to throw it right. And Geno Smith's your quarterback. And I, I think Gino's done a lot in two seasons at Seattle and, and certainly some really impressive game winning drives and stuff this past year, but maybe it was time and they can recalibrate. And it's hard to, to reinvent yourself so many different times uh, with the same head coach. And yep. may, maybe that's where, like I think you celebrate Pete Carroll for sure, but also maybe it just was time and you can finally
1: have a new direction after three very mediocre seasons. I'll look at their opponents as a team playing a third place schedule. Ooh. And, uh, you know, that, that's certainly something Their AFC extra opponent is the Denver Broncos from the AFC West. That's nice. Uh, You play the AFC East next year and you get the two best teams at home, having to travel, travel to Seattle based off of this year's standings with Buffalo and Miami. Having to go to your place next year for a West Coast trip, that, that's a nice kind of feather in your cap for your schedule purposes. Yeah. You're in the NFC. You get the extra home game in general this year versus the AFC Conference. So you have nine home games versus eight road games. Uh, the other half of playing the AFC East is you got two teams in transition with the New York Jets, and, and I guess they're not in transition, but they're who knows what that's going to be. And then the, the hype train season. will be real. Uh, let's just face it. But we'll talk about the Jets some other time. You get the Falcons with a new coach and no quarterback. You get Chicago potentially with a new quarterback, a rookie quarterback. And, and uh, you get the Cardinals in, in year two, but they are going to have a lot of youth and experience. You can play them twice. So you also have Minnesota, who is Kirk Cousins going to be there? He's a free agent, he's coming off an Achilles injury. They kind of fell apart down the stretch. There's some parts of this schedule that I think you could point to and say, hey, you you got a lot that's going to set you up to be able to take care of your business and be in a pretty good position just based off the schedule next year with how it broke as a winning season that ends up with a third place schedule.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that, that the path is going to be important and they had a pretty tough schedule this year in terms of strength of schedule. And obviously that stretch and how it laid out for them was not very favorable. And to come through that nine and eight, I think that does tell a pretty good story and you're in it all the way to week 18. You just didn't have the tiebreakers. Um, They, they do have talent, right? Like this isn't a team that's devoid of talent. Offensively, you've got some exciting skill players uh, two running backs and Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet. I really like the uh, Kalen Zacharias Metcalf, big fan. Jackson Smith and Jigba, big fan. You got those two tackles. I know Lucas was not healthy this year. He only played was about 400 snaps or something like that. But you do have that pair of tackles. You feel like you got a good, strong infrastructure in place offensively um, that for whatever direction the new head coach wants to go, you feel like you kind of got the stuff, right, to be able to give yourself a chance to do it. Um, and I like that. On top of defensive talent and Devin Witherspoon and Boye Mafe, he had a nice season, man. I felt like every time I watched Seattle, that guy was impactful. Uh, Julian Love was terrific. You get an Uchenna and Wosu back, which is huge, right? Like he was so good last year, and you only had a, a limited amount of games with him. Reek Woolen, I know that he wasn't quite rookie season. Reek Woolen, I, I don't think the regression was as much in coverage as it was run defense and tackling. It seems like there were some low lights there. Derek Hall, a nice, good looking young player. You got some pieces here. Um, and I think a lot of, like we went through, like you're going to, you have some, some decisions to make. It's Leonard Floyd. And like, I'm not sweating bullets, like I said. Leonard Williams. Leonard, what did I say? Leonard Floyd?
1: Leonard Floyd. Yeah. My bad. Leonard Williams. That's right. I called him J- Jamal Williams. I called Jamal, this- Jamal Williams earlier. So it's uh, early, yeah, early yeah. morning dad brain, I guess. Yeah. Um, you lost the pick because of the trade for Leonard Williams. But you do have New Orleans third. So you still do have two day two picks at your disposal. And I think we, like we talked about, there's some players that I think are worth considering transitioning from that would give you even more capital to continue to get younger. You do have that 2022 draft class that is a bunch of players on rookie contracts that looks like an outstanding class between reek woolen and abraham lucas and charles Kloss and kenneth walker like that's a really good foundational core group of guys that's now going to be coming into a new year with another year of experience and hopefully continue to progress in their own respective curves because player development is not linear um so i think that that's another reason for seattle to have some optimism as well joe the, the thing i would leave with is this and it's I think you have one area, one very clear area to aspire to get better at as it pertains to uh, your path to the playoffs. You have to get better against the L.A. Rams. Since the start of the 2015 season, the Rams have won uh, 13 versus 6 for Seattle. So the Rams carrying a 13-6 and six record against Seattle since 2015. Um, and the two wins, two of the wins Seattle got, they beat them both times last year when the Rams were in their teardown yeah. transitional year. You got to get better against that divisional opponent because those wins in the division are the most consistent pathway to the postseason. I don't know that you're going to chase down San Francisco, but I do think that's also part of the reason why I would be motivated to try to transition and rebuild a little bit because the Rams are out in front of you with their transition and rebuild. They started it last year. Then they went 10-7 and seven and made the playoffs. The 49ers are the 49ers. Like you you got to be able to keep pace. And if you wait with this nucleus too long, you're going to fall even further behind. So don't be afraid of hard decisions because I think there is, with that 2022 draft class, the nucleus, a really good group that you guys can build out a really competitive unit with.
0: 23 draft classes looking good too. And Witherspoon and JSN and Derek Hall and Charbonnet mm-hmm. and Bradford started a bunch of games for you. Double O, right? Maybe he's the center of the future there. And so they got, they got some guys this year too. They got a couple good draft classes in a row. Yep. We saw what that did for him back in the early 2010. So maybe so that's a. Go, uh, go get another coming. one, but
1: get some more picks to help that happen. Yeah. That is going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked on NFL. Scouting up Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We appreciate you guys. Check out the show. You can make it a great rest of your day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Come back tomorrow. we got a couple shows coming your way. Hope to see you then.